The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. Okay, Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to look at verses 36 through 44. Here's the title of the message. And by the way, you know, you you say, wow, you're talking a lot about prophecy lately. And the reason is because that's where we are in the Bible. So we're just going through verse by verse, the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus is the one that is driving the agenda here. So the title of the message is, Ready or Not, Here I Come. So look at verse 36. Jesus says, but of that day, an hour. So he's been given all these signs. This is what it's going to look like. This is what will be going on in the world. And I'm coming. He says, but of the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So in the midst of this, you've got two things uh, juxtaposed, you know. So on the one hand, there's all these signs, signs of the times. Be watching, be paying attention. Know if you're living in that generation, which I have been telling you, I believe that we are, big time. But on the other hand, Jesus also says, but of the exact day and the hour, you don't know. Some misinterpret that to say, well, we can't know the day and the hour, so just forget even looking or reading or studying or thinking about prophecy of the end times. That's not what Jesus said. He said, you can know the times and seasons. You can know if you're living in the days that will see my personal visible return. What I won't tell you is the exact day or hour. Now, I've wondered, you know, so I shared a little bit last week from a Jewish wedding uh, that, that literally from 2,000 years ago, it, in a Jewish wedding, neither the bride nor the bridegroom gets to determine the day of their wedding. It is determined by the father of the bridegroom. And that's part of the suspense and the romance of a Jewish wedding. What is the father waiting for? He's waiting for his son to build a house good enough for his you know, future daughter-in-law and their children and grandchildren and share so it's not left up to the son. The dad is the one that decides. Usually waits till the house is finished and then a game begins to be played day by day. Dad, dad, dad. And one night when his son is fast asleep at midnight, the father wakes his son up as a surprise. And he says, now son, you can go get your bride. So that's one reason. We don't know the day or the hour. But there is maybe another reason. What if we could know the exact day and the hour it's gonna happen? Do you think that there would be some people that say, aha, I got a little time. I could maybe, you know, kind of experiment around a little bit. You know, I'll get right, man, the day before, I'm gonna do whatever I can. But they might live a compromised life and then wait for that. So the Lord doesn't want us to live a compromised life waiting to get right with God. That's why he leaves it open. You don't know the day or the hour. So the only way you can be ready is to be ready now and ready for anything at any time. Amen? So um, this is the familiar expression, ready or not, here I come, which can easily be applied to the second coming. I like this in 1 Thessalonians Uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Let's read it out loud. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. And then he goes on to say, for when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, 
and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Now, Jesus has told us, look, there's going to be birth pangs. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be earthquakes, and there's going to be diseases. How many of you have heard about the disease over in Asia? And I heard that China has quarantined 20 million people. You're in here, you can't go anywhere, do anything. I mean, 20 million people, of course, they have over a billion people. But still, uh, we're living in the days where these things are happening, accelerating. But then Jesus said, so the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. We talked about, that's a Hebrew idiom for world wars. Jesus was telling the human race, when you see world wars, it's all about the prophetic clock. And ultimately, it's, they will all be about Israel. When you see world wars, wake up, start paying attention. So we talked about how World War I opened the way for the land of Israel to be liberated from 400 years of the Ottoman Turkish Empire. World War II set the stage after the Holocaust and the win of the Allies that three years later, at the end of World War II in 1945, in 1948, the nation of Israel was born again. And so this is preparing the way we believe for the second coming of the Lord. But Jesus said there will be, you know, so within Israel, there'll be problems. Uh, you know, as it has happened in the past, so it is happening today, which will necessitate a peace deal. So when they say peace and safety, when there is a peace deal that comes together, then now you're, you're in literally the book of Revelation, right? And then Jesus told about the abomination of desolation. So Israel will be allowed to exist. They will have Jerusalem. They will have a peace deal. Then they will build a temple. And yes, they will have animal sacrifices. And this man that's known in the Bible as the Antichrist, three and a half years into it, will stop it. And from then on, it's the time of Jacob's trouble. Then great tribulation, such the world has never known. 1260 days, 42 months, three and a half years. And then the Lord comes. So it's very, very interesting that right now, with all that's going on in the world, we've seen Israel become a nation. Now we've seen uh, our country has moved our embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And right now, there's an election coming in Israel. How many of you know there's an election happening in not only our country in November, but there's one happening in Israel, I believe it's on March 2nd. How many of you knew that? All right, so pray. And pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But right now... Our president has said that, that for some reason he wants to unveil, he says, I have a peace deal for Israel and her neighbors. And he is calling it the deal of the century. Could this be the peace deal that the Bible talked about? It could be. It may not be. I don't know. Nobody knows what's in it. But I think it's interesting with everything going on in the world that right now we're going to be leading the way to present a peace deal. If the peace deal is then followed by the allowance of the Jewish people to build something or worship or have a temple, a tabernacle, a tent, an altar, whatever, whoo, man, are you hearing what I'm saying? All right, so this is very, very exciting times in which we live. So Jesus is saying, uh, so look with me in verses 37 through 39. He goes on, and, and I love this part right here. Verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, 
so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, the people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. I want to interpret that and translate it. They were going on as if everything was normal. They were life as usual, even if it was a depraved life, which it was. They were going on about their lives like nothing in the world is new or happening. Until the day that Noah entered the ark, and they did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So, here's what I want you to note, write down, think about. Jesus says, this time, before I come back, will be like the days of Noah. And what were the days of Noah? What was going on in the days of Noah? I want to give you three quick things. Number one, the whole world misinterpreted the signs that God gave the generation of Noah so that only Noah and his family knew what God's plans were or what was going on. Jesus said, it'll be just like that when I return. Much of the world will not be paying attention. In fact, the world will misinterpret both the supernatural as well as the prophetic signs that he's laying out right now, and they will give natural explanations. They won't look and say, wow, this is what God predicted. This is what the prophet said it would be like. Wow, we better humble ourselves and get right with God and call upon the name of the Lord and repent. They will give, they will say, well, this is happening. This is nature. This is what's happening in the world. Here's how we ought to respond. And what's dangerous about that is if the world does not pick up on the prophetic nature, the spiritual nature, the supernatural nature of what is going on, they're in danger of missing the whole thing until the Lord comes, and then it's too late, and they must stand before the Lord. I would say to you that much of the world right now, with their time, their emotions, their energy, their politics, their fighting, their twittering, their debating and all the rest of it are focused on distractions, worldly explanations, without any inkling at all that God may be speaking to our planet, that something is up. We are living in a very special time. The fact that we have an Israel, the fact that the prophecies were laid out by the Old Testament prophets as well as Jesus, they're not listening to his word. They're not paying attention and I want to just say this, they are totally missing it. They are totally misinterpreting it. That's why Jesus is telling us, watch, wake up and know. Can I hear an amen on that? All right. Secondly, they will look everywhere for answers except the word of God. You know what? It blesses me here this morning to have so many of you that are here this morning and you have your Bibles. Lift up your Bibles, even if it's an iPhone, whatever. I see those glowing lights. They've got scriptures on. Except I hope none of you are playing those little games while I'm preaching. You know what I'm saying? You know, no, I'm paying attention, pastor. Yeah. Oh, I got to start over. Don't do that. But the word of God, I mean, this gives us everything. And, I, and I, you know, I feel this so passionately. You want to know what's happening in the world geopolitically? Read the Bible. You want to know what's happening in the world economically? Read the Bible. You want to know how to live a successful life, how to prosper, how to be blessed, 
how to be filled with joy and love and peace, how to prepare a way for your children to also be blessed and to multiply in the generations before you. It's always in the Bible. It's in the Word of God. You cannot read the Bible too much. And not just reading it, but going to different layers of actually studying it, meditating on it, thinking about it, applying it to your life. Oh, there's power, power, power in the Word of God. And guess what? All of the Word of God points to Jesus. Oh, Jesus. There is nobody like Jesus. There is nobody like Jesus. He is, whoo, there is no one like Jesus. Now, the third thing that I want to say to you, very, very, very important, importante. I don't know why that flew in my head, but anyway, <laughs> all of the Spanish speakers listening, muy importante. The days of Noah were also marked by violence and demonic oppression. It was a time where, you know, there was violence all over the world. And I think that you guys, you know, look, I, I try to stay, you know, because I feel like it's my responsibility as your shepherd and your pastor. Look at the headlines. What's going on here? What's going on there? The continents of the world, the world praying for the church, praying for the persecuted church. God, where are you moving? Uh, what are the warnings? What are the signs? What's happening? How can I pray for my sheep? Cover them, bless them, protect them, watch over them, care for them, strengthen them, disciple them bless them, and I, I, I see the violence. And sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm kind of scrolling through and then I go, I can't take anymore because there's so much violence and so much injustice happening all over the world. Does it ever just grieve your heart? Do you ever just go, I don't want to know anymore. I can't take anymore. Oh, how it grieves to the heart of God. The days of Noah were constantly filled with violence. Now, violence and violations of humans' rights and relationships and abusing people, it's always coupled with demonic strongholds, demonic oppression, demonic presence. And what had happened in the days of Noah, it had escalated until it had permeated and saturated the whole world, was under this heavy cloud. So Jesus is saying, the attitude that prevailed during the days of Noah will characterize many people living during the last days just before Christ returns. As the earth's population exploded in the days of Noah, so also evil exploded. And listen to this, God sees everything. In the Bible it talks about he has seven eyes. And basically what that means prophetically is he sees everything. He watches everything. There's no one more tender and moved with compassion and to see, and God, you know, we see a little bit of this and a little bit of that and we go, oh, we can't take too much. But God sees everything, every violent act, every stronghold, all of the darkness of the whole world. And God says, I've got a limit. I can only take so much. And there will be a day that judgment will come. If I could give another, you know, people like, oh, judgment, that's a bad word or it seems whatever. Well, the modern word for it, because one of the first definitions of judgment is justice. The whole world is demanding justice. We need justice. We want justice. There are stores named justice because we see so much injustice. That's what Jesus is coming to bring. He's going to take every wrong thing and it's going down. 
and every right thing will be exalted and blessed and honored and lifted up. Hallelujah. So justice is coming. In fact, if you're really into justice, you better be into the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the king of justice and righteousness. So that's what's happening. So let's look. You know, we can't read everything in the whole story. You can read it on your own. But I want to highlight a couple of the verses of what was it like in the days of Noah. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Let's read it out loud. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And that's sad. There are some people even today in this world, all they think about is not healthy. It's not good. Not only is it not holy and righteous, but they're thinking how they can take advantage of people, use people, and how they can abuse people and all the rest. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Now, Genesis chapter 6, verse 11 and 12 goes on to say this. Let's read it together. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. So it's a bad scene, and it means that God's judgment is coming. What it meant was a flood is coming. A flood that will sweep the world away. I mean, everything's going to change. It's all coming to a mighty conclusion. And nobody in the days of Noah saw it coming. It took them all by surprise. They were so connected with evil that they did not watch. They did not listen. They did not pay attention. But I love this. This is my favorite part of the whole story. Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. Let's read it. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord in the days of Noah. He, and what does grace mean? It doesn't mean that Noah was a perfect person, or it doesn't mean that he, he did everything right. The word grace means gift. Noah received the gift of a relationship with the living God. He loved God, he worshiped God, he honored God, he blessed his family, and he said, we're gonna follow the Lord. No matter what happens to the rest of the world, we're walking with God, and that was a gift of grace that God gave to him. And I say, amen, I love grace. You know what grace means? Gift. You don't earn it, you don't deserve it, you don't do good deeds to reach, a, you know, get a medal or something. It's like you just receive 100% the gift of God's love and grace and mercy. Hallelujah. So today, in the house of the Lord, you who love and trust in Jesus Christ have found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Ray Bentley has found in 2020 grace in the eyes of the Lord. You and your name have found grace in the eyes of the Lord because we stand beneath the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Lion of God, the Savior of the world, the Redeemer of all of humanity, and we're in Him. And as we walk in grace. So what does it mean? If you receive the gift of the grace of God, you will be spared the flood of judgment to come. Can I hear an amen? Hallelujah. Okay. Now, let me also just say this. We need to prepare. It was surely a, an unusual sign because God gave that generation a sign. And the sign that he gave them was a man 
building a huge boat before there was ever any rain. Now that's weird. So they're like, hey, yeah, like he's building something. That's not a house. They'd never seen it before. What is that? He goes, it's a boat. What's a boat? A boat is for when rain comes. What's rain? I don't know. I haven't seen it before, but it's coming and it's going to be a flood. So you got to be in this ark to be saved. So he would share that with them and they, they, they didn't get it. They didn't understand it. And they ignored him. They ignored the signs. They went about with their busy lives until unexpectedly it happened and it began to rain. Now the Bible says when Noah was done, then he called the animals and saw the, and that, that would have been wild, right? Animals two by two. Hey, we're leaving the herd. See, see you guys. Where are you going? I don't know. We're going on that boat. And they all get in there and they're on the boat. And then Noah gets in and then his wife and his kids, wives. And then, I don't know if you know this in the Bible, it's a fascinating reality that, so Noah's in there, okay, I built a boat, did what you said, this is the ark of salvation, flood's coming, I don't know when. And it says the Lord closed the door. Woo! Noah didn't close, it must have been a big door. But Noah didn't close the door. How would you like, what if the people stand out, hey, did you see anybody pulling ropes or anything? I, that door just kind of went, and then it starts to rain, little drops of rain. And they go, this is the flood, little drops of rain? Ah, ha, ha. They probably were dancing in the rain, wahoo. But 40 days and 40 nights, it kept rising, rising, rising. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away what was happening. That's what it will be like in the days when Jesus comes back. Now, listen, I don't want to just, you know, tell you about this part and that's scary, and why are you telling us this, Pastor Ray? Because I also want to tell you this. In the last days, God has reserved the greatest revival, the greatest amount of human beings that will run to Jesus and get saved from every nation, language, kindred, and tribe has been reserved for the last days. We're in it right now. I believe we're in it right now. The revival is happening. God is pulling men, women, boys, and girls from all over the world. They're coming into the ark called the body of Christ, the ark of salvation under the banner of the love of Jesus Christ. And, and it's going to get better, bigger, and more wonderful the more that time goes on. So as with the flood in Noah's day, the judgment of God will come like a flood in the day of Messiah. Many will not be prepared, but many will get prepared because they will call on the name of the Lord. Now, Noah was, how long did he share this with people? Wait, probably over a hundred years he was building the ark. Noah is described as a preacher of righteousness. Basically, what did, what did he preach? Hey, judgment's coming, flood's coming, never seen it before, but it's gonna affect the whole world. Get on the ark. And he preached that. So he had spent years warning family and friends and neighbors what a holy God was about to do. But no one paid attention. So are you watching? Are you paying attention to what's going on? I think you are, and I think that's why you're here. So God allowed Noah some 100 years to complete the building of the ark. And through all that time of building the ark, God waited patiently. Read this with me. I love this. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Let's read it out loud. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, 
but that all should come to repentance. Now, let me ask you this. For those of you that know the Lord and you're saved, we don't know when the rapture could happen. The rapture could happen. The Lord could come for the church. We could be taken up in a moment, twinkling an eye. Yes, the word rapture is in the Bible, especially if you read Latin, because it's a Latin word. So, you know, we have English, you have Hebrew, you have Greek, you have Latin. And in the Latin Vulgate, where it says we're caught up to be with the Lord, the word is rapturos. So don't let anybody tell you that the word rapture is not in the Bible. It is. It is biblical. And how many of you, and we, you know, there's no prophecy we're waiting for. It could happen anytime. It could happen between now this service here and tomorrow morning. Sometime tonight, you could hear the trumpet and the Lord could call and we'd all be up in heaven. How many of you would be okay with that? You, you would not be allowed to go to work tomorrow. That would be okay with you. Now, but at the same time, how many of you, if the Lord came tonight and you think about going into next week, have family or friends that are not ready? So we're worried for them, yeah? Why was God patient? Why was God waiting? He is not willing that any should perish. So now that we're all saved, we're like, yeah, Lord, rapture us tonight. I'm ready to go. But that's because you're saved. How many of you are glad he waited to come back and until at least you got saved and in the boat? So that's what he wants for everyone else. He wants everybody in his family and everyone that knows the Lord to be ready for him. So now let's close with verses 40 through 44. This is our last little story here. Beginning of verse 40. Then Jesus says, two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. There are two possible ways of looking at this and interpreting it. The one is... Uh, you know, two men working in a field, one's taken in the rapture, and the other one is left for judgment. Two women grinding at the mill, one is taken in the rapture, and the other one is left for judgment. That is one possible interpretation. Um, there, there are some challenges to it. If everything Jesus has been teaching in Matthew 24 is chronological, where he's talked about, you know, there's going to be wars, rumors of wars, then there's birth pangs, world wars, then the abomination of desolation, and then wait, now you're saying we're going to go through all of that before the rapture happens. So some people say, well, maybe it's not about the rapture in that way. And my friend, I have a friend uh, here in San Diego, he's, uh, he's one of the first Messianic Jewish pastors, his name is Barney Kosden, he has a church called Keilat Ariel, and he wrote a commentary on Matthew, which I read, and he said, I, I don't think, I believe in the rapture, but I don't think this may be the rapture. He goes, I think it, it goes into the story of Noah, and what happened in the story of Noah is the people taken were the ones who got caught in the flood and were all taken away, and the ones who were left were Noah and his family in the ark to survive the tribulation of the flood so they could start the earth again, kind of like the kingdom of God. So, you know, it might be the rapture. It might be about, uh, you know, surviving and those through the judgment or whatever. I don't know which one it is. Uh, but I'll tell you this. 
More important than having the exact interpretation is having the right application. And the application of what Jesus is saying is you better be ready now. You've got to know the Lord now. You've got to walk with me now. Don't wait till tomorrow to get saved. Amen? That's the whole point. So then he says, if you had known when the thief was going to come. You know, I wonder how many of you have experienced uh, somebody breaking into your house, breaking into your car, your truck, whatever, and stealing something from you. Well, I have. Uh, Vicky and I, when we were first we were living in Poway in our first home together, and there was this, a couple of guys apparently that came in and they went into our garage and they stole us blind of all this stuff. And I remember one part of it was, you know, and it just bugged me. I was like, golly, I can't believe that. And man, you know how many times I thought, I wish I had been there. I wish I could have been there and flashed a big burning light on them. Aha, caught you. I mean, I, you know, I had the, the tools. I mean, in those days, you remember the little pegboard where you drew the little outline of your tool? I had nothing but drawings on my pegboard, you know? <laughs> Took all my stuff. Man, I wanted to get those guys. Had I known when they were coming, it might have been a different story. Jesus is using the analogy. Now, here's what's interesting. He's a thief. He's being likened unto a thief. What does the Bible say? The devil is a thief and a liar. So what is happening here is the devil was the first thief. He stole mankind from God in the Garden of Eden. He deceived them and he stole them. So in a sense, Jesus is coming back like a thief to get back what's already his. Can I hear an amen on that? Hallelujah. Woo. Praise the Lord. So we're living in exciting times. Now look, you know, uh, I leave you with this. Our president is ready to roll out. He says, I got a deal. I got a peace deal. And he's calling it. I haven't read it. Nobody knows much about it. He's calling it, this is going to be the deal of the century. I'm going to make a deal no one could make for the Middle East and for Israel and her neighbors. Could that be the peace deal that the Bible is talking about? I don't know. You don't know. But with everything else happening and everything else kind of accelerating, we're all going to be waiting and watching together. Amen? And with our eyes wide open to say, Lord, could this be the hour? I'll tell you this. Jesus is saying, I'm coming. Ready or not, here I come. But be ready, and you can be ready. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.